Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Maybe we just talk about the Mars rover all day. What do you think? I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. 26 seconds of gold, if you haven't heard it yet. I'm a big space guy. I'm interested in stuff like that. Uh, That happened today, and it really was just a filler until we get to inevitable Buffalo Sabres talk. Jody Biasi, Brennan Keeney here on the Nightcap. I want to get to a Bills topic, of course, tonight as well. We might even spend more time on that. (laughs) Brennan seems like we want to fast forward right to that in the first place. Um, We've got to do something. We've got to do something. There is a team that plays professional sports in this town right now. And they're in the midst of their season, and I can't imagine ever being less enthused to think about, talk about, watch a sports team than I have ever seen with this this year's Buffalo Sabres. Uh, 8030550 is the phone number. I put a, a joke poll up 20, no, more than that, about an hour and a half ago. Just... Do, do you want to see Yarmir Yager in a Sabre uniform? Like, what would be fun at this point? Like, let's just get wild. Let's get something that could make them interesting. There's nothing. There's nothing real and tangible I think that can make that happen. They and can you've win. Got, they could win. They right. could, no, so then it we'll almost seems slow. impossible. They could score a goal. <laughs> they could score a goal. They could win. Then you could build off that. There's a lot flying around right now. A lot of these national reporters are bringing the big picture into the focus. You had Elliot Friedman a couple of days ago here on the station, on the instigators, talking about the potential that Jack Eichel could be traded. He pointedly, when asked by Andrew Peters, is there a possibility that Eichel could be traded? He immediately answered, yes. And then continued on into greater detail. Here's some of what Friedman, by the way, said the other day in case you missed it. Maybe Buffalo would look at it that way. Like, we need a billion assets. The thing is, what's the market? I think the market would be robust for Eichel. He's a good player. I mean, that's all you need to say. He's a good player. And he's a center who can play number one center. Look at Dubois. Those guys don't become available. Here's the problem. Number one is if Buffalo's trading him this offseason, it's because he wants a change and they want a change. It's not an easy position to deal from. Number two, okay, there's going to be a lot of interest, but how many teams are really going to be able to do what the Sabres want? It'll be a bit more limited. Do you get three or four teams that really want Jack Eichel? I think yes. The Sabres will ask for a lot, but I don't think it's prohibitive in the sense that there isn't anyone who can do it. That's Elliot Freeman from the Instigators a couple of days ago. My question to you was not whether or not they should trade Jack Eichel. You can make it that if you want. I'm just wondering, I'm wondering from you and I'm wondering from fans, how much are you, how much do you feel mentally prepared 
for that possibility. Because I will admit, every game I watch, I feel like more and more I am accepting the reality that what Elliot Friedman just said could end up happening. I'm mentally prepared. At, at a certain point in this whole Sabres drought, just kind of a fiasco of a decade, there you have to be prepared for really anything. And that's kind of that's where I'm at right now. What this team has tried so many different avenues, so many different things, and just nothing works. And at a certain point, and I'm not advocating for trading Jack Eichel, but at a certain point, this core has just not gotten it done. And by the core, I mean Eichel, Reinhardt, Ristolainen. I don't know if you want to throw like McCabe. Those are the big three to really put right. into it anyway, though. And, and then you have additions. Like you had Evander Kane who was thrown in. That didn't work out. Rasmus Dahlin was the first pick in the draft a couple years ago. I still think he's a good player. He's and part of the on, core, too. Maybe. He's part of the core now. But, like, nothing is working. Nothing is working. Like, why should we be surprised? Why should we not be prepared for something like this to happen? And you know what? Like, th- those secondary stars, even though, like, you mentioned them, like, some of them have gone in and out the door, but there is always one or two here. Like, Kane becomes Skinner. O'Reilly becomes Hall. I know they don't play the same position. They're relatively close to the caliber of player in which they are. And it just, right, it doesn't matter what the combination is. It just doesn't work. Yep. And, and I don't know where to start with that. It, it's it's so incredibly frustrating. Because here's the thing, Joe. I feel like they've tried a number of different things, but at the same time, like, they haven't. Like, the roster has yeah. been largely unchanged other than a few stars you know being exchanged here and there year after year i mean the bottom six has been an issue on this roster for years so what do you what do you at this point though warrants or would qualify as the type of change necessary because i don't even know where to begin dude i don't even know where to begin i don't want to get to eichel here That's going to be a conversation we have more and more. I will say this on it. I also am not, I certainly am not advocating. They do that. But the idea of it is becoming more and more appealing to me. And that being said, it's, it's a scale. It's not appealing to me by any means yet. But I was in the summer at a zero on the idea of trading Jack Eichel in terms of I was ready to mock other fan bases for even suggesting that he could be moved. I literally wrote an article designed to be the counter to all of those mo- uh, those made-up trade scenarios trade from scenarios. other teams. It's like, okay, well, you want Jack Eichel? Give us Austin Matthews in a first-round pick. Like, just, just, to, just to give everyone else a taste of their own medicine. That's where I was at on that idea. Today... I don't think trading him makes any logical sense on the ice. But the part that is becoming a little appealing to me, and again, on a scale of 0 to 10, I might be at a 1 right now versus where I was at a 0. I'm not on this idea yet. I want to make that very clear. But just the idea of like a complete restart. Like everyone's different. The whole thing. Blowing the whole thing up. Because as you said, like they've changed pieces here and there. But if they really had that big, massive blow-up since the tank, they really haven't. And that does not have to include Jack Eichel if they go down that route. But it's got to include some players that are pretty darn important and that are pretty darn good players. If it's not going to include Jack Eichel, what qualifies as a blow-up? Sam Reinhardt's where you start then. Like, you've got to start somewhere. Ristol Heinen doesn't even qualify as that anymore. No. Trading Colin Miller is not that. Re- not re-signing Brandon Montour. Trading Hall at the deadline. You know? Not re-signing Jake McCabe. Or switching out who your goaltender is. These are not blow-up moves. Blow-up moves is you are just, you're starting fresh. Your roster is going to be 80% different one year to the next. Like, that's what that is. And they have the flexibility to do that. When they have six forwards under contract for next year, two defensemen, and zero goaltenders. Like, they have the ability to do that. They will have more than that. 
Bor- or, uh, Borgen, Yoki Haru, Dalin are all RFAs. So they would not qualify under those two defensemen under contract. So they're probably back. But you can change over a large part of this team, and I don't yet think that has to include Eichel. That's where I'm at on them. I don't know where else to begin, though. That's like, kind. Of, that's where I'm at. I I don't know what to do. I I I hate like the. Can I throw two other ideas in front of you? Because sure. I'm I'm open to en- really anything. Should they be in desperation mode? Because this might be their last chance. Have they for not Eichel been to in convince- desperation mode? Because if they haven't been, then what are we doing here? I don't know that they've acted like they've been. W- like what are we doing? What have we been doing here? For a decade, if desperation mode hasn't been reached, what I, is the deal? I don't know of a move that I could point to and say they were in desperation mode, though. Maybe maybe last year at the deadline when they traded for Wayne Simmons and they were 10 points out of a playoff spot. Like, maybe that was Jason Bottrell's way of saying this is desperation mode. <laughs> maybe. I mean, he, was, he was adding at the deadline when they were 10 points out. I, I guess that... On the, some, most, the most desperate move the Sabres have made in the past decade but is I don't trading know. a fifth-round pick for Wayne Simmons. Right, I don't, I don't have anything else to point to. Like, it's been, there hasn't been enough change for uh, that. Like, My, I just don't, like, they <clears throat> should be incredibly desperate. I don't... You know what that would be to me? I don't want them to make moves out of desperation. But there has to be some semblance of... Oh my gosh! Like I, I am so fr- I'm so frustrated with this team. I'm even having trouble, you know, coming up with <laughs> there, with words. But there has to be some semblance of need to get better. And I just like I agree with you. I haven't seen that, right? Like the you you signed Taylor Hall. Okay, it's a one year deal. It hasn't worked out. And I think a lot of what has happened over the past decade or so is that a lot of these big moves are simply not working out. Really, so you had one good year of Jeff Skinner, and since then it's been astonishingly poor. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying he plays poor. I'm saying he can't finish. He's playing on the fourth line. It's it's the most bizarre thing I've seen in hockey as I've been a fan. I'm watching this guy get chance after chance, night after night, and the guy who scored 40 goals just a couple years ago just cannot put the puck in the net. And it's not like that year was a fluke. Like he had he had he been, was a good player before it. Right. He has been one of the most consistent five on five goal scorers since he entered the National Hockey League for a decade. He's, and he's not old. He's still he's twenty eight. Last year he was twenty seven. That's the prime of a career still. I it's it's it, it is like they are snake bitten. That just yes. no matter what they do and maybe yes. that Maybe that's where the idea of a complete restart comes in. But to but me... Look, look at their other moves. Trade for Evander Kane. He was okay. He was fine. He didn't, he didn't really move the needle. Well, they need, they need... Kane's not maybe the best example for this, but he could be. A guy that scores 20 goals. Like you can bank on 20 goals from. They need six of those guys. And very often, they have half of what they need in that area. That's why they don't score a lot. It's because... They've got two fourth lines. They've got two lines that you just can't count on for offensive production. A, a, a fourth line, in, the line of Cody Eakin, Kyle Oposo, and to- Toby Reeder, that's a fourth line in the NHL. On this team, nope. There's another line below them in terms of ice time. And right. that line gets a lot of minutes. And like that, that's that, what I'm saying. They're, they're, they need a whole new line filled with offensive players. And their bottom six has been a legitimate problem for years. No one has ever argued that this franchise lacks high end talent. Well, to me, though. You can't even make that argument. Look how, at their high end talent, they have it. They just don't have the. They have the bottom of the barrel of bottom of the barrel, as far as your bottom six. You know what desperation looks like, by the way. Yes, desperation what? looks like Bruce Boudreau. Just getting a, a coach right now, like if you feel like you are on the ropes with Jack Eichel, like you want to keep him long term. You were already worried he was unhappy last summer. Now it's going very poorly again, and I don't know. 
Maybe I'm reading into it too much. Maybe I'm hyper-analyzing. That's completely plausible that I'm doing that. He looks dejected when he's on the ice to me. Something about it. It's a little more casual than it was last season. I'm not blaming him one bit. I'm just saying that's how it looks. So I would be very worried that he's ready to. He, he's getting closer and closer to hitting that nuclear option. And but the, the thing to still me is though, that's a move of desperation. That's a coach that just automatically makes the playoffs every time. I'm not saying it's going to work. I'm just saying that's a guy where you hire him, and everywhere else it's hired him. They they never do anything in the playoffs, but they make it. But the the thing is though is like, I just don't see how Jack Eichel has any leverage. I don't see how he has any leverage to request a trade. I still think if if the Sabers decide that is their best course of action, I can disagree with them. But if that's what they decide is to trade him, then that's one thing. But if you're acquiescing to his request of being traded when he still has significant term on his contract, what is he going to do? Just not play? If you are well, going to we'll, take, let's take it, a look at what the Houston Texans do. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, it's a good it's example. It's completely different, though. It's so different. Is it? Yeah. Why is it? Di- why is it that different? Because first of all, Eichel has more term. He does. I would say Watson By has a couple years. Watson has more power because of the nature of the position he plays okay. and its importance. In it, yeah, okay. I, there are definitely differences, like you're pointing to. I guess at the end of the day, though, I think fundamentally the situations would go the same way. You know, like, a guy can say, I'm not going to play, but what normally happens in those situations, not just in hockey, not just in football, but all sports, when a leader and the best player on a team says, I'm done, those guys get moved. And the reason I say, let's see what happens in Houston, is because that might be a rare occurrence of the team saying, well, we're just not going to do it. That very rarely happens. When those star players say, I want out, they get moved. And Houston is saying, no, we're not trading it. You've got term left on your contract. And is that the path here? Is that what is that what is coming? I don't really know what is coming. I guess that could be one situation where he says, I want out. Sabres say no. I don't think he would ever sit out, by the way. I think he would continue to play. He might not be happy, but he'll continue to play. But how how good of an environment is that for this team? That's why I don't really know what to do with the future. I don't know what to do with what you do right now because there's so much uncertainty. And I thought Bulldog made a really good point earlier on the station that Eichel could right now come out and he could make it clear to everybody. He could squash everything and say, he could come out and say, I know everyone's talking about this. I have no intent of leaving here. Like I am here for the long term. I'm the leader of this team. We are going to turn it around. He could come out and be very vigilant about that. But he doesn't. And to me, that is telling. That that's not where he's at, mentally. And Friedman saying the other day that, yeah, he's frustrated. And he's getting restless. That's not coming from nowhere. So, I'm just struggling a lot to see... Not just what they should do, but what is going to happen with this team. Because it's, very, it's almost unprecedented for this sport. that you ha- With all the parity that it has, to have a player at that level who has never won, not only not made the playoffs, not even been in a race, to be this far into his career. Like we just don't have anything to point to, I think, for what happens in those situations. So, that's why not only I don't know what they should do, I have no clue what is going to happen with the team in the next six months. My problem with trading Eichel is that you are going to lose the trade. You you are. You are going. You're almost accepting to that lose when the you trade do it. because the team that gives up the best player in the deal, which obviously Jack Eichel would be, loses the trade a vast majority of the time. The Sabres, if they trade Jack Eichel, are going to lose the trade, and then what? Then you start over completely. That doesn't have to work. You can go on another 10-year drought. But I'm just saying, that's that's what. You're starting fresh, and we're talking about Dylan Cousins being a number one center. All you have <laughs> to do in the NHL, Joe, is be a top-half team. 
That's all I know. you have to do. And they've not been close. Doesn't that, even in somewhere in the back of your head, doesn't the idea of just starting completely new appeal to you somehow? I think sure. from a fan perspective, it does more so than a management exactly. perspective. Exactly. And that's the thing. From a, I could go, you know, I could make all the moves that I want to on uh, on Xbox NHL 20 and just completely gut this roster, <laughs> but this, these are real people, and this is a real organization, and if you do something that doesn't work, that affects jobs, and that affects families, and that, like, it's real life. And as much as I want to start from scratch because I just, I need something, I just need, like, a, a shot of something. Well, first of all, I don't want to say that I want to start from scratch. What I'd like to see is that this core wins something. That's what I would like to see. But with each passing game, it becomes more and more evident, no matter how much we try to convince ourselves at the beginning of every season that this is finally the year that is turning around, it's becoming more and more evident that it's just not working. Even this season, we we did that a little I, bit at the beginning. Was, I was <laughs> they stoked good. with how good they looked, they looked early good. on this season. Yeah, especially in effort, after not having played for ten months, they had a rough first game, and then they were just very good for two weeks. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. We will get to the bills. Don't worry. Maybe uh. is this by the way the punishment, or is this the uh, is this the car not the karma? I don't even know what what I'm are trying the to say bills here. the good karma for enduring the sabers, or are the yeah. sabers the bad karma for now enjoying the bills? Yeah, I know because we That's can't have both. <laughs> we can't, we have, can't both. have both. You pick one or the other. We're taking turns. We have a lot of drought history. A ton of, of drought. It's it's really a thousand astonishing. Games. Almost a thousand games. Yeah, I saw that. That's just. We're it it we're used to it at the very least. Um, we will get to the bills again, but let's take some calls on this at eight hundred three oh five fifty. Let's go to Mark and Kenmore. Mark, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Yeah, hello, guys. A couple points. First, you're absolutely correct. There's no way you could trade Jack Eichel as number uh, because obviously if you do, you're going to lose the trade. It's right on because Buffalo will never get what they ought to get. And I have no confidence that they would. I mean, we traded O'Reilly two years ago. It's essentially a five-for-one trade, and they really got nothing for it. Secondly, I think the biggest problem the Buffalo Sabres are going through right now is from bottom roll, especially on forward, they seem to acquire players, especially through free agency uh, or trade or whatever. Skinner, let me give you an example. Skinner, Akposo, and Hall – it seems to me that Buffalo gets players that eventually, for some reason, suddenly become irrelevant. They look old and slow and incompatible with the way the league is playing the game. And now, chronologically, they're not old, obviously, but they may be NHL old. It seems like the upper 20s or older, unless you're an elite player, an elite player who does a number of things well, you could be out of the league. I think that's where the Sabres are having a problem, and they're stuck with bad contracts, and they can't get out from underneath them. Nobody wants to make a deal. Yeah, thanks for the call, Mark. I'll agree with that on the Oposo point, but it's not like the game has passed by Taylor Hall and Jeff Skinner. I mean, Taylor Hall was the MVP just a couple years ago, and it's not like he's slow or he doesn't have skill. He's still a very skilled player. He's just, they're just not working together in mm-hmm. it's it, it's just not working out, and I think that's what a lot of it has come down to. Ryan O'Reilly still played very good for the Sabers, but him being here wasn't. I'm not saying he was the problem, but they still weren't good with him and Eichel on the team. He goes elsewhere after the Sabers, and he wins the Con Smythe and wins a cup. It's like there's something about. Buffalo right now. Well, and I've seen it on social media. People are like, "Oh, the Sabers are cursed." It does kind of feel like that, and I hate you know. I'm, I don't actually believe that, of course, but it's like I, I understand the frustration. You know what I think part of that is though, and it almost sounds too simple to be the explanation, right. For ten years, yeah, but it's drafting. Well, that yeah. like I, again, that sounds so simple, but O'Reilly goes to the Blues. It's a great player, but suddenly he's got a foundation. 
around him. He's got guys like Robert Thomas who come in in their first two years in the NHL and they produce. Like There are like uh, dozens of guys like that on every team. And here, you get stuck in a wheel and you just keep going round and round and round. You've got nothing coming up through the pipelines and then you go chasing these veterans to fill holes that young guys coming through the system should be filling. Right. Cody Eakin. Yeah, Tobias Reeder, Riley Shan, Curtis Lazar. That that is almost you have your entire bottom six right now is filled with veteran players that you brought in. Two of them are a little bit different in Skinner and Oposo. You brought those guys to be staples. You signed them to big money to be offensive producers. But right now your entire bottom six is made up of veteran players that you brought in after the fact. You wanna know why? A, the biggest reason to me why this team has been stuck in the mud for a decade, it's not about Jack Eichel's leadership. It's not about Sam Reinhardt being soft. It's not even about the goaltending to me. It is that too many roles have to be filled with outside hires. And that does come down to drafting, management, and then at the same time developing them once they're here. Yes, I, I agree. 100%. I don't I don't know how much confidence I'm supposed to have that Kevin Adams specifically is going to turn that around, but I think that's your biggest difference still is it between se- that but now that being said, that's not something you can fix quickly. You want right. to change drafting? Yes. All right, Kevin Adams can start drafting great right now. They'll be great in 5 years. No one wants to wait that long. The other option is something that Saber fans will hate to hear. And I don't even know how much I like the idea because the last time they did this, it was the worst trade in franchise history. But how do you double up your talent? You take a big risk and you move one great player for three good pieces, hoping that two of the three become that same player. That It's kind of the O'Reilly trade in principle. That trade is I'm going to send Sam Reinhart to some, to some team for – their 21-year-old prospect who's ready to make the jump to the league, a first-round pick, and another prospect. Like, that's the type of trade that you're taking a risk that it could go like the O'Reilly trade, but the upside might be, hey, I get two Sam Reinharts out of this deal. That's like the only other path I see to suddenly, quickly doubling up on the talent that they currently have. Joe, you know how I know this is like a terrible spot to be in? Is that nothing sounds good. <laughs> Seriously, <right>. no <laughs> avenue forward sounds good. Oh, you can trade Jack Eichel. Eh. Oh, you can just keep going with the same thing. Eh. You can trade Sam Reinhardt for two B prospects. Eh. <laughs> like, there's just like nothing that sounds good. There's no viable option forward. Hmm. No, you're right. That's a great point. Uh, let's take a couple more calls, and then we'll take a break and get to the Bills. Let's go to Tim in Niagara Falls. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Tim? Hey, guys. How are you tonight? Um, you sound really frustrated. I'm going to give you a chance to get over it. All right. Press, once you press the re button, reset button here, and just kind of think maybe there's a going on with a little overreaction. Okay, you guys are talking like this is game 45 in the regular season. Um, you got to realize this is completely – new ground here. I mean, essentially they played 10 games after being off for 10 months with the revamped lineup, and you said it yourself, the numbers were looking good. They were playing good. They weren't clicking quite, but everything was looking good. Risto was playing his best year yet. Then they get whacked with COVID because the NHL screws up. They're off for two weeks. They come back and they play three games and uh, you know, half the team is still sick. They don't have their whole lineup back. Who knows when Bristol's going to come back. Uh, you know, the NHL screwed this up so badly uh, from right from the beginning. Um, we're supposed to start on January 1st. They tried to squeeze the PA for more cash. Then we get moved back to the 13th. Okay. Now we got these fake divisions with the squeeze schedule. We're playing the same teams eight times. This, this isn't even a real season. Um, I think, you know, the judgment you're using on Everything that's happened so far is just 
too intense for what's actually occurred. Yeah. Uh, you can't really look at this as a normal season and everything that's gone down so far. Tim, Tim, thank, thanks for the call. I, I just think you like I commend you for trying to make that case. Like you're trying to defend the team in a situation that nobody's trying to do that. But I think you make like there are good points in there about this season should be taken with a grain of salt, but not here, not here. Other other teams maybe the Predators right now are third from the bottom in the NHL. I sure. could see a Predators uh, guy covering the team or fan making the case that like listen. It's a weird season. We've had a shutdown. You know, like, we're going to give some guys a pass. You don't get the benefit of the doubt when you are approaching the longest playoff drought in NHL history. You don't get the benefit of the doubt where not only have you made the playoffs in that stretch, you've never been close. Right. And at the same time, you have to consider this like a real season because your star player is getting older and more restless. That doesn't... The, all of the Eichel angst doesn't hit the pause button. To me. Tim, I'd be right there with you if the Sabres made the playoffs last year. But they didn't. And to be honest, they came in 20... They couldn't even make the playoffs when 24 teams were allowed in. <laughs> they, okay, and They it's almost been, played for it. <laughs> it's been a decade of this. I understand... Like, I... Actually, I don't understand your patience. Good for you, as Joe said, that you're still patient. You're willing to give this franchise another pass. But, I mean, my goodness. It's not like we've seen a sign that they're close and then this is just kind of a one-off pandemic year. They missed the playoffs last year when 24 teams were invited. They weren't good enough. And so, yes, you're correct. And here's another thing, Tim. It's not like we're deep into this season. The Sabres have only played 13 games. But guess what? They're already back nine points of fourth place. Maybe that doesn't matter because it will be more on points percentage when all is said and done. But the bottom line is we know how difficult it is to make up points in this league. <laughs> Especially in this division where it seems that every game, unless the Sabres are playing in it, is a three-point game. We got to take a break. Uh, thank you for the calls. We wanna, I want to switch to the Bills, though, because I've got a cap question for Brendan when we come back. I've got a free agent idea that I was already making the case for that I am now all in on. Um, so we'll talk some Bills and some football when we return, and we'll get some calls in as well before the end of the show. Jody Biasi, Brendan Keeney here on the Nightcap on WGR. That would be the ideal scenario for the Patriots, in my view. The problem for them, why would the 49ers trade him? The 49ers would need to have a better option to move on from Jimmy. And so that, to me, you can't force them to give him to you unless you're willing to overpay. And I'd be surprised if the Patriots would overpay. Because here's the thing with Jimmy, you're looking at $25 million and an injury history that you have to feel confident that you can reverse that trend. ESPN's Mike Reese on with Howard and Jeremy this morning. What will New England do at quarterback? Garoppolo still remains in the picture for that. Although, every day that passes, it feels like San Francisco is going to stand pat. Um, But we'll see. Watson is obviously could change any team at any moment for this. And you, you could have a lot of dominoes thereafter. If San Francisco trades for... Watson, then suddenly Garoppolo's on to somewhere new. Uh, if Denver trades for him, maybe Drew Locke is on to somewhere new. That one's probably the worst example of these. Miami, then there's Tua. Darnold is probably getting traded no matter what. Doesn't Chicago just seem right for you at this point for him? They're for like Watson? The, they for Darnold. for Darnold. They seem like just the two without a dance partner, and they're just going to meet because of that. <laughs> Have fun. I, yeah, I I don't know. It's... You're right about the dominoes because I feel like there's a lot of teams that are going to be holding out because they don't quite want to give up on the idea of getting Watson. You know, it doesn't seem like the Bears would have the capital to do it, right? Because they ended up making the playoffs this yep. year. But I'm sure that there are. Car- know, Carolina, maybe? Yeah. Like, but I'm sure that there you know, front office isn't totally ready to completely give up on the idea either. Yeah. All right, let's get to the Bills a little bit here, and then maybe we'll revisit the quarterback carousel around the league. 
I am all in now on this Carl Lawson idea, even over J.J. Watt, over even the guys currently on the team, certainly over Mario Addison, and honestly, I would even prefer him at this point to Jerry Hughes. He, The more I watch his film, the more I read about him, the more I look at the numbers on him, fourth in the NFL in quarterback hits in the last two years, and when you look at pressures, he's well above... Hughes and Addison, and he's above J.J. Watt. The sack total isn't there, but that's usually the defense we've heard for Hughes, for instance. is like, right. the sack totals aren't there, but look at all the pressures. Look at all the hurries. Well, Lawson has been beating him in those categories for two years, and he's eight years younger. I feel like I'm getting an, a version of Jerry Hughes that is eight years younger. Now, I'm not trying to push Jerry Hughes out the door. The only way I would be campaigning for that is, is if they find a way to somehow sign J.J. Watt and Carl Lawson. Mm. I think at this point, that is the best the Bills could do for a pass rush in 2021. But it might, it would, of those, be the hardest to do on the cap. If you cut Addison and Hughes, for instance, just for example, you'd save about $13 million. Right now, Spotrac has Carl Lawson's projected value at $8.8 million. We're in the dark really on what J.J. Watt is going to get. I feel like that could be anywhere from $8 million to $16 million, depending on where he chooses to go. Um, but I think at minimum, you're, you are certainly spending more than $13 million if you want to sign both of those players. But that's where I'm at with their pass rush right now, which means I've cooled on the J.J. Watt idea because I found another guy in free agency I like more. And in addition, and you can touch on this too if you want, this this idea, there was that report from a couple days ago that the Broncos haven't even talked to Von Miller yet. Mm. And they have a decision to make on whether they want to pay him $23 million this year. That's another guy you'd have to you have to wait for, hold I, out for. Yeah, I'm I am cooling off on JJ Watt and I'm not saying that if it came out tomorrow that Watt was a bill that I would be you know disappointed upset by yeah. the you know, or disappointed by the news, but I don't think it's as much of a necessity as I did. And I think the initial, um, you know, joy, happiness of seeing your team linked to a guy like J.J. Watt solely on the thought process that the Bills are a contender now and that's where he wants to go, you know, there are good moves that can be made that don't necessarily have the name recognition. I do like the Carl Lawson idea. Another idea that I've been kind of re, uh, looking at is through the draft, and I mentioned it to you off-air earlier this week. There's a kid out of Miami named Jalen Phillips. That's the kind of player I would want the Bills to target. A big swing, and it could certainly be a miss because he has a massive uh, injury history, and he was actually advised to to retire when he played yeah. for UCLA. But the guy was the number one recruit coming out of the country during his uh, senior year of high school over guys like Chase Young and over guys like Jerry Judy and other big-time players. He was the number one recruit coming out of high school. He ran into a lot of injury problems but came back and after really not playing for several years had a very, very solid season with Miami. Eight sacks. That's a guy that I would love to see the Bills take a swing on with the 30th pick in the draft because you know the upside's there. He's got a ton of talent. Had the injury history, so it's going to be kind of boomer bust. I don't really like that because, of course, there's gray area, but could be a bust just simply on the injury history alone. But like we've been talking about, Joe, the idea that the Bills are well-positioned enough to kind of take a swing at a guy like this. Yeah. That's what, If you want to get younger and perhaps improve your pass rush, I would not mind seeing them go the Jalen Phillips route. Yeah, because at the same time, there's this news this week about the cap. The minimum will be $180 million, and by right. most reports, the max is probably about 185 It's probably going to fall somewhere in between there. The Bills are right now at 187 Right, They're already over the cap, and they will struggle to maybe even fit one contract like J.J. Watt with the cap coming down. And today's report that Milano is going to test free agency, I've given up the idea that they're going to re-sign him. Like, to me, there is no way... They're finding money to do that. I know we haven't really talked about linebacker. I've just assumed they're going to pick a guy in the third round and sign some vet minimum linebacker, and they'll go with that combination. 
Like right when you figure that's what they do there. Yeah, that's that's my assumption. And the foundation is good at linebacker, I think. You still have a very good player in Tremaine Edmonds kind of anchoring the defense and yep. you know so I'm not too worried about that position group. It's, it seems to be very also easily replaceable. Right. We and just that's saw kind of what I'm getting. Yeah, m- of course. Milano is very good. A.J. Klein, by the way, still under contract. A.J. Klein's under contract. I'm not stoked about the idea of him being your yeah. uh, a starting linebacker, but if you can find a plug-and-play guy, I think you can do that, and if you don't have to pay him, what's his market value according to Spotcheck? like $14 million? Milano? Yeah. 13.8. Yeah. yeah, so $14 million essentially. So, yeah, it's a bummer, but this is what's going to happen when you have a good organization. Because you have good players, and some of them are going to have to leave. But I'm with you that I've kind of shut the door. I'm not completely ruling it out, but if someone was like, Brennan, what do you think is going to happen? I would tell them I think he's probably going elsewhere. This this could be a sign, though, that the Bills, who we've kind of spoken in terms of like they have enough room for one big move, they could have made that one big move, Matt Milano. Like the, the report that there's mutual interest between them and J.J. Watt – to me, they could sign Matt Milano and not go for J.J. Watt. They, it seems to me the Watt news and the Milano news points to it doesn't have to be Watt, but the Bills are going to be putting their money at the pass rush. That's exactly what I was just thinking. This offseason. Yep. The alternative would be kind of doing a little plan you just kind of laid out. Jalen Phillips maybe at 30. If or you did another, that, it, you, rusher, if yeah. you had the idea of thinking you would do that at 30, then you could – conceivably sign Matt Milano but you're taking a risk because the draft is after free agency so I I don't I'm not comfortable with the idea of just taking Jalen Phillips and having Jerry Hughes as that's your plan for pass rush I'm not comfortable with that I think it needs to be addressed somewhat in free agency and of course if you saw if you drafted Jalen Phillips you couldn't draft Rondell Moore and I mean <laughs> that 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 is a no-no at this point I've been I think I'm at six clips on Twitter you want to check out a nice highlight thread? Oh, I've, of this I've guy. watched. I've watched. He is the easiest player to get to convince people that like it's a good idea. Like oh, yeah. I wrote, I wrote about Carl Lawson yesterday, and I got all this analysis. I brought up all these numbers, and I brought up the ages and the potential contract ramifications. I thought I'd laid out a very good case that took a long time for me to put together for Carl Lawson, and in a two-second video clip. Or like with the two seconds it took me to clip out a highlight of Rondell Moore, I probably convinced triple the amount of people that that's a better idea. He's electric. That's how social media works these days, too. He was electric as a true freshman oh. in the Big Ten. I remember watching him as a true freshman and being like, this guy would look really good in the red, white, and blue. I want to bring him up on every show till the draft and to convince people that this is the idea. Well, you've done it for, for two it. weeks now. So. I have, and I think he's come up almost every show. Yeah, yeah. every show I've been on. All right, when we come back, we'll get back to the quarterback carousel for a couple of minutes, and then we'll get out of here, um, and we'll have Sabres hockey back tomorrow uh, at 12.30, puck drop against the Devils, so we'll have local coverage, of course, tomorrow. Uh, Last call on the nightcap, though, coming up right after this on WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap. Last call, Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney, currently watching highlights of 2-2 Atwell, because Brendan told me to. Wide receiver, he looks pretty good through the two clips I've seen so far. I just want fast. Well, no, I don't just want fast. fast. I want Rondell Moore, but <laughs> I want fast. He is very fast. Yes. Keep, just keep that name in mind come April. Tutu Atwell, if you really want, he's undersized for sure, but if you want a dynamic playmaker, Tutu Atwell, Louisville. Any interest in Deshaun Jackson for the Bills? Um. I mean, sure. I, I don't know. Like I, he would be like Plan H. right, and that's kind of where I feel like I don't. Like I might rather have him on a one million dollar deal than John Brown. Like I would. To me, if they don't draft a guy, and they don't want to spend big money on Curtis Samuel, and they still want to create cap space, moving on from John Brown, saving seven and a half million bucks, and then paying one million of that to Deshaun Jackson, like. I wouldn't say I have zero interest. Like that scenario sure. sounds fine to me. It's not. He just he I, can't stay healthy. I'll I'll say it like this: When I saw that he was released, my mind did not go, "Oh, I really <laughs> hope the Bills get him." Yeah. No. Right. Fair. <laughs> 
None of those older veterans. T.Y. Hilton gives, is a little interesting to me, but it sounds like the Colts are going to re-sign him. I think he's kind of John Brownish. He is John do, do Brownish, you, you and he the, might command a little bit more right, money than Deshaun like, do Jackson. Do you think that his production would be that much more than John Brown's It'd was probably here? be comparable. Not that John Brown is gone. I'm just saying, like, do you think if he were... Like, he, I, yeah, I think Hilton, it would be comparable, and I think that player would cost about what you would save in John Brown, so what's the point? Right. So, yeah, Hilton doesn't make a lot of sense. Jackson at least is, okay, I'm saving $6 million bucks I can use elsewhere. Maybe that's the $6 million bucks that would allow you to have J.J. Watt and Carl Lawson for that pass rush. I'm, that's my dream scenario. I'm not going to lie. I, and you know what? I feel bad saying that because Jerry Hughes like, is a fan favorite, but... I've got a story that I want to write in the next couple of days where, like, where is the, what is this team going to operate like when they're good? Because some teams get hung up on guys who have been with them for a while, mm. and, like, the, the benefit of the doubt will go to the Jerry Hughes types, the, the LaShawn McCoys, the, like, the guys who have really been there with you. Then there's also how the Patriots have operated for 20 years, which is we don't care about that at all. Lawyer Malloy, later. Like, we're going to save $12 million. We don't care how respected you are in the locker room because guess what? We have Tom Brady, and this thing's going to keep running without you. And, like, again, I don't want that to be too disrespectful to Jerry Hughes, but if they cut him tomorrow, I wouldn't have any questions about the culture of the football team. Well, Joe, we're also at a spot watching the Bills where they can afford to make those moves because they're not – the way they win games now is because of their quarterback and because of their offense. Their way to win games used to be we are going to hang on by our fingernails with good defensive play mm-hmm. and a good run game. So you couldn't afford to lose really anyone. Right. But now, now you can. there's more margin. There's more wiggle room. And – you know that if there is going to be more winning in Orchard Park, it will run through 17. And then before we get out of here, I do want to bring up the Carson Wentz trade because I don't think we mentioned it once and I was not on the air last night. What uh, a trade for the Colts. I see. I I don't see it that way. Really? I think I don't think they did bad, but a day later, it sounds like they were the only team. Like it seems like they were bidding against themselves, and for but they didn't them, really give up anything. They gave. They're gonna end up giving up a first round pick, maybe. And to me, I just watched Jared Goff. For them, I just got. I just watched Jared Goff be moved as a negative asset, and you were the only team bidding, and you gave up a first round pick. Why couldn't you have waited a month, Joe, and just gave if, up one second, like or even a third? Like, but if they give up a first round pick, that probably means the experiment has gone well. You also have I to keep that in mind. They fair. probably will not care that's if fair. the condition of that pick is met. And here's the thing. I hope, I, by the way, that they're bad so that we could talk about what, whether they're going to bench him because they don't want to give up a first-round pick. I but am, they probably won't be that bad. You're right. I am not a Carson Wentz fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I like this move for this team because, to me, it was a fairly minimal risk with the possibility of a high reward. If Carson Wentz gets to 75-80% of what he was a couple years ago with the roster that's assembled in Indianapolis, I think they're definitely a division contender. You could host that team could host the playoff game. So so let me actually change my change what I said then. I think the Eagles did a better job than the Colts did. And here's why. I'm astounded the Eagles were able to get a first-round pick because now maybe this is the better point. Because the, the Colts, you're right. If it goes well for them, they're not going to care. It's a late first. The Eagles, meanwhile, seem to have completely manufactured an artificial market for Carson Wentz. Albert Breer had yesterday that Chicago never made an offer. And then it came out also that New England never showed any interest. It came out that Denver never showed any interest. The Eagles had his name in the media every day. And you had reports of other teams being interested or checking in. I think they completely manufactured a market for this player. And I think that they did a way better job getting getting back any assets for him than I thought that they could have. They got a second, and they're probably going to end up with a first. We'll see. Or no, they got a third, and then they probably end up with a first. Yeah. The, the other one was conditional. But... 
I like this for the Eagles a lot because I, I think they, I think they kind of, what's the word? I, I think they kind of pull the fast one on Indianapolis, with all the Chicago I, oh, stuff. I just don't see it that way at all. I, I you look don't at the compensation, and to me, it's all driven by the success of Wentz in Indianapolis. If Wentz plays well in Indy. Then they'll give up a first, which, which he would have been worth more but than. I thought he was worth like nothing. Like I, I don't know. I don't know if they waited a month if Indianapolis could have got him for a third round pick. I feel like that could have been on the table. Because again, who else was interested? Everyone else sounds to be like they've got other ideas. If the Colts waited a month, the Eagles suddenly realize, uh oh. There's no market for this player. He doesn't want to be here. We want to start the other guy. And, okay, now we're just going to have to trade him trade him for whatever Indianapolis is going to give us. And Indianapolis should be able to dictate that. And to me, that could be way less than a first-round pick, even if it's late. That could be a third straight up. I thought that's what the market for him should have been. That's why I'm giving the Eagles a lot of credit. It's, it's partially my own bias in what I thought the player was worth. I think that the narrative surrounding what the Eagles were looking for makes this trade look bad for Philadelphia. There were talks that they wanted two first-round picks but for him. You, you know I they under, put I that out under, there. I understand that. But when you do that, all it does is crush your fan base and make the rest of the sports world laugh when you get nowhere near what it was reported was the initial asking price. Yeah, that's right. So maybe it's just an optics thing, and maybe you're right. Maybe Philadelphia was somehow able to convince the Indianapolis that there were all these suitors and, and whatnot. But, like, at the end of the day, they traded Carson Wentz <laughs> and really only got back a third-round pick this year with – and the only way it becomes a first-round pick is if it works out. Because you, do you think Indianapolis would bother playing once to hit that seventy-five percent threshold? No. If there was no, ch- if, if it wasn't working well, and there was no hope for them that uh, next year, they're not. They're not giving up a first-round pick unless it's working. That's why I think it's good for Indy. All right, way late to a break. We got to get out of here again tomorrow. Pre-game coverage of Sabres Devil starts at 11:30 and puck drop will be at 12:30. We will speak to you next week. Maybe more quarterback stuff to talk about. We will see. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.